0: Amen. Dr. Shetler, come preach, sir. Thank you, Pastor. It is a great honor to be at Trinity today, and happy Mother's Day to all you ladies as well. You know what? In a day and age that the family is being attacked so greatly, I just thought today that we would just take both services and talk about moms. So this morning, I'm going to comfort the moms. In the morning worship, we're going to convict them, okay? Okay. But we're going to comfort them today. I wanted it this morning. So if they didn't come to Sunday school, sorry, they're not going to get the comfort part. By the way, Pastor, I love the clock in the back. I can't miss that. All right. That's really good for me. And they probably just set that up for me today. But uh, that is the, I've never been in a church and I've seen a clock bigger than that in the back. So I better stay on time today. Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews 13. Now, I don't want to do this during the morning worship, so I would like to talk to you a little bit about the materials in the back. And I'd like to begin by telling you about the two most influential people in my life. Both of them happen to be mothers. Uh, I did uh, come from a broken home, my mom and dad. I was born and raised in the Detroit area, in the uh, West Bloomfield area of Detroit. And uh, my mom and dad... Got a divorce when I was 14 years of age. Major reason, my mother got saved. And because my mom got saved, my dad was under incredible conviction. And basically, my mom and dad's relationship, because of the conviction that he was under, really separated from my mom. It was was a very difficult, in many ways, uh, situation. I was about 14 years of age. I got to lead my dad to the Lord 25 years later. Uh, My mom and dad are both in heaven today. They're both buried together, restored their relationship uh, with each other. And it's a really, it's a great story because of Jesus Christ. And Christ is the the key and the answer to all things. It was great. Uh, my, My pastoring down in Pensacola, both my mom and dad were in the church together. And what a great thing that what happened there. But I would say that I'm in the ministry today because of my mom's prayers. And because of the three things I'm going to talk about today. The second influence in my life, which I think is the greatest influence in my life, is a godly wife. And that godly wife is also the mother of my three boys. All three of my boys have a passion and a love for God. They're all in the ministry uh, today. And I think in a great part, my wife is a missionary kid. Her parents, uh, by the way, my, t- yesterday was my wife's birthday And uh, she was born back in 19, a long time ago, on Mother's Day. And she's the oldest in her family, so she made her parents parents on May 12, a while back. And uh, (coughs) her folks are missionaries to the Jewish people for over 60 years. Lived in Israel for over 40 years on a kibbutz, reaching the Israelis so merrily raise your hand in the back there, and that's my beautiful wife back there. She'll be at the table today, and that's what I wanted to talk to you about. I want to talk to you a little bit about the materials at the table for about four minutes, and then we won't talk about it really the rest of the day. But I did want to tell you, we got some great stuff back there. <coughs> Excuse me, that may be of a great help to you. Um, there was one prayer request that the Lord gave when he was on this earth there's only one thing that the lord asked you know like we ask people hey will you pray for this for me hey will you pray about this for me there's only one thing that jesus christ asked that we would pray for that one prayer request is what i've given the rest of my life to do does anyone know what that prayer request is yes that is exactly correct sir The one prayer request that Jesus asked when he was on this earth was, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. That's the one thing he wanted us all to pray for. I believe that the rest of my life will be spent in preparing the next generation of champions and servants for laborers for the harvest. That's why God called me out of the pastorate. If you cut me, you'll see that I bleed pastor. I mean, I was... I thought I would pastor all of my life, but about five years ago, the Lord moved us from a church ministry pastoring to a college ministry to train the laborers for the harvest. We are absolutely thrilled to be at West Coast Baptist College. My wife is on the faculty there, as well as myself. I am uh, I'm the dean of students there, vice president of student affairs, and I teach six classes every semester, and I've never been busier. And I've never been more thrilled in my life. I think we kind of pastor the college students now. We have a lot of information about West Coast Baptist College. It is a college. Uh, It is an accredited college. We have probably the finest one-year Bible program in the world. Uh, Any young person that would just go one year to our Bible program, the grounding that they would get is unmatched anywhere with the faculty that we have in Bible is just really unbelievable. But we are a four-year college. And all of our students get a Bible degree, and then they'll go into education or whatever. Uh, We have education, we have media, we have um, uh, music, and of course, pastor uh, in ministry. uh, Church ministry is a big major as well. If you're not familiar at all with West Coast, stop by we've got a little a little pamphlet called the view book that would be might be of great interest to you i do have some information or some material i'd like to sell today and we've got some special mother's days Uh, our cds today are ten dollars or three for 25 if you've never heard west coast baptist college music let me encourage you to get at least one cd today they're normally 12 and 15 dollars ten dollars a piece three for 25 which is really good um People ask me all the time, Brother Shetler, have you written anything? <laughs> Only one thing, but we really love. Uh, it's been really been used. It's actually a Sunday school curriculum. So if you're a Sunday school teacher, anywhere from seventh grade all the way through adult, it is called Transforming Truths. Here's the student book, and here's the teacher's manual. Um, I was speaking at a camp one week, at, down at the wilds, and they asked me at the end. I had several campers come to me and say, Brother Shuller. Uh, what verses could we memorize? Uh, you know, after we leave camp. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. So I went back to my um, my cabin, and I put down twelve passages that every Christian ought to have memorized in their life. I call them twelve transforming truths. Went back and preached a series on it. Uh, And now I preach it every year to the freshman Sunday school class at West Coast. It's called 12 Transforming Truths. It is a great series of 12 passages that every Christian ought to know about and have a handle on. Whether it's Romans 8, 28 and 29, uh, Galatians 6, um, just uh, uh, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Uh, All passages that I think every believer ought to have. If you're a Sunday school teacher, that may be a great lesson. We have uh, Pastor Chappell, my pastor, uh, writes devotional books for like a year. I think I brought three with me. If you just like to have, like, to read a little devotional for every day, this one is called Daily in the Word. There's uh, one on Proverbs. There's, a uh, like, a little reading on a Proverbs every day. So if you like a devotional type of book like this, Pastor Chapel also has two great books out on the home and the family that I wanted to mention today. This one is entitled Making Home Work. Now, what I love about this is at the end of every chapter... You know what there is? Well, not at homework, okay? There's homework at the end of every chapter. I believe, a lot of times we read all these books on the home and the family, but they don't tell you what to do afterwards. At the end of every chapter, there's homework that you can do in your home with your family. We're selling these for $10 a day. I think they're normally $15, $20. And this is their latest book out uh, that Pastor and Mrs. Chappell wrote, entitled, Are We There Yet? And it is a great book on marriage and on the home and on the family. Some really quaint stories. Are we there yet? Like traveling along. So I hope that you'll take benefit of this today. Uh, dads, husbands, get something for your wife today over the thing. Definitely, I think you'll thoroughly enjoy the music. You got your Bibles? At Hebrews chapter 13, we'll go ahead and get started. Thank you for allowing me to share all those things. I think they could be a great help to you. So, this morning, oh, thanks. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Got a couple now. Thank you very much. I'll put this over here. So this morning, I was thinking, I had a completely different Sunday. I knew what I was going to do for Sunday morning worship, but I had um, um, I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do for Sunday school, and I just thought, you know what? I just want to talk about what moms are and what they do. So, I was thinking this morning, what are the three greatest things we get from moms? So you ready? Fences, forgiveness, and faith. And I, and I really do believe that moms do something for us that no one else does. First of all, moms are great about putting fences around us. In other words, protection. And we always, you know, as we get older, we think like, mom, you don't need to do this anymore. But you know one thing? Moms are always moms. Amen. It doesn't matter how old you are. You know, I have three grown sons, but when they're around mom, mom's still, they're still their children. You know how that goes. They're always thinking protection and fences. Look with me, if you would, at, at uh, Hebrews chapter 13, two verses here. Listen, look at verse number five. Let your conversation, that's your lifestyle, your manner of life. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And then look over at verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. They protect you as they that must give an account. And mom's One day you will give an account for the way that you were a mom. As they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for mothers. Father, I do believe that we understand more about why you protect us because of the way our moms have protected us. Father, as our mothers have built fences around us to protect us from evil, from the world, the flesh, and the devil, so it is true in your love for us that you have built fences. Then, Father, is there any human being on earth that we have learned divine forgiveness from better than our mothers? That, Father, it seems like no matter what we've done, our mothers always forgive us. Father, it is because of that that we can understand your unconditional love and forgiveness for us as well. And then, Father, thanks for moms who believe in their children. As Jochebed believed that she had a goodly son in Moses, that, Father, our moms believed in us that we would do something that we would get saved, that we would live for you. Thank you for moms that have faith in their children and faith in you. Thank you for moms that forgive us no matter what we do, no matter how many times we do it. And thanks for moms that put up fences around our life to protect us from evil. Father, sometimes we just forget what our mothers mean and have done for us. Father, in a day and age that gender distinction is getting so blurred, may in our churches still today, we have godly, feminine, biblical mothers. Father, I ask today that in this Sunday school hour, that we would encourage moms to keep going on what they do for us. And may our relationship with you be better because the way that we've experienced your love, your care, your protection, and your belief in us because of our mothers. So for these things, Lord, I ask that you would encourage all moms here in this Sunday school hour. And Lord, may we be thankful for the heritage that all of us have. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's children said, amen. Amen. I... Um, was thinking, look at that passage for just a moment in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. It says here, obey them that have the rule over you. You know, I didn't understand this. Again, coming from a broken home and boy, when I was a teenager, after my mom and dad got a divorce, we moved from West Bloomfield. My mom and I moved up to Traverse City area, a little town called Leland is where I graduated from, Leland High School. And uh, boy, I got to tell you, I got saved when I was 12, but I didn't start living for the Lord until I was 18. Mom had a real problem with me from 12 to 18. I was a child of God, but I was definitely living in rebellion until I got down to Bible college and God got a hold of my heart. But I did trust Christ when I was 12. But I could never figure out the things that, you know, I was trying to, you know, when you're a kid growing up, you just can't understand your parents and you definitely don't agree with a lot of things that they do. The Bible says something interesting here. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. Now, I've heard it preached before. Obedience is the action. Submission is the attitude. And I kind of like that, by the way. I think obedience is what we do. Submission is the way that uh, is our spirit in there. I was preparing a message, Pastor, on this some years ago on authority. And I saw that word obey. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about my Bible. I have a Zodiates. Now, you say, what's a Zodia? It's a King James. Don't worry. But it's the kind of Bible that it is. It's a, it's a word study. And next to a lot of words in, in there is a number. And then you can look up the number in the back for the definition. Like, what's your name? George. George. Next to the word obey. Can you see that number? That's pretty hard, isn't it? That's right. No, get them on out there, buddy, because I would need them too. That is... What's the number next to that? Thirty-eight. Thirty. I think that's thirty-nine. <laughs> I'm not sure that is right. I picked the right guy. Thirty-nine sixty-two. Thirty-nine. Hold on to those glasses, because I'm going to need it for just a minute. So I'm looking at my study with my glasses on, and uh, I see the word "obey," and it says thirty-nine sixty-two. Thirty-nine sixty-two. So I'm about to turn in the back to find out what the word "obey" means. And just as I'm turning, I look down into verse 18. And next to a word in verse 18, it pops out. Look at this. Don't say the word. Don't say the word. You see the number? Same number, isn't it? Exact same number. That means it's exactly the same word in exactly the same tense. Do you know what word that is? Anyone have an idea? The word obey is translated a different word, but it is the exact, exact Greek word in in verse verse 17. Anyone know what word it is? Who said trust? It's the word trust. The word trust in verse 18 is the exact Greek word obey in verse 17. You say, what's your point? That's life-changing. That's life-changing because for all of us that are children under our parents, it is not a matter of understanding our parents. It's not a matter of agreeing with our parents. It's a matter of obeying. Whoa! whoa. It's a matter of what? Trust. And you know what? Hey, by the way, wives, that's true for submission in 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 a marriage as well. You don't have to agree with your husband. You don't have to understand your husband. The Bible says submit to your husband. You know what the key is? It's trust. And really, your trust isn't in your husband. Your trust is in who? It's in God. Your trust is in God. And you know what, children? That's the way it should be with our parents. We don't have to totally... Growing up, man, I did not understand my parents. Growing up, I didn't agree with my parents. But I was commanded to do one thing. I was to trust them. You know what? I think our mothers so often, you know, a lot of times, how many times in our lives growing up, we didn't agree with our parents and we didn't agree with mom and understand what mom was doing. But you know what the command is, is to trust them. Why? Because they put fences around. Now, when I grew up in Bluefield Hills, I was in a brand new neighborhood. And this is back in the you know, late 1950s, early 1960s. And uh, we, they were building this neighborhood, and all the houses were brand new except for one. And all the couples moving in, these were all young families moving into these subdivisions in this area of northern Detroit and everything like that, except for one. There were the Lamartini's. Now, the Lambertinis were an older family that had lived there for years, and they had a fence all around their house. It was the only house that had a fence around it. Everyone else had open borders, you know, and everything in the neighborhood, and the kids ran and played, but the Lamertinis had a fence. There's a lot of reasons for that, but one of them is they had this stupid little dog. It was a little chihuahua. Now, I got to tell you, I don't like chihuahuas at all. And I'm not even sure it's a dog until it gets to be 25 pounds. But anyways, this dog, every time you walk past the Lambertini's house, this dog would bark. So you're riding your bike or you're walking past the Lamertinis, and the dog's... <coughs> I'm going to die doing this. It's <coughs> not the illustration for me today. But this dog would bark all the time. You'd go past the house and it was so annoying. One day, there was a German shepherd out. No collar, it was loose. That German shepherd came over to the Lambertini's house. And we were riding our bikes around, and we were like, whoa, this is going to be good. Well, that German shepherd came into that yard, and that dog, just that little chihuahua, was just going crazy. Just, yep. And the German shepherd was doing nothing. The German shepherd came over to where the dog was inside that fence, and that little dog was going crazy on the other side, just barking and everything, and the German Shepherd was just sniffing. Now, all us boys were thinking like, let's go over to the gate and open the gate and let the little dog come out and be a hot dog, you know, and and let the little dog out. And that little dog was just... just, just barking and barking. Now, let me ask you all something. What is the only thing that was protecting that little chihuahua. Everyone together, the fence. You take the fence away, and that little chihuahua is gone. Now let me tell you something. I've been working with teenagers and young people for thirty-nine years, and boy, have I heard a lot of. I can't wear. O-ra-ra! I can't go. O-ra-ra! We can't. O-ra-ra! We can't listen. Well, I've heard a lot of barking. There's been a lot of times I've wanted to open the door and say, hey, go on out there and let the hound of hell chew on you for a while. But you know the only thing that protects are those fences. You know what our moms do for us? Moms put up fences. Moms put up fences to protect us because that is the number one purpose of authority. The number one purpose of all authority is protection. By the way, friend... That is true in all three areas that God ordained. The church, the family, and government. The number one purpose of the United States government is protection, not provision. By the way, that is very important. The purpose of a government is to protect its citizens. The purpose of Pastor Ferguson is to protect the flock. Yeah, he's supposed to feed the flock. But I'll tell you what, he's not doing any feeding until there's protection around the flock. Number one purpose of parents in a home is protection. And we ought to thank God. If you had a mom that put some fences up around your life, you ought to thank God for that mom today. You ought to thank the Lord for a mother who put fences because that's what moms do. Moms put up fences to protect us from the world, the flesh, and the devil. And if you had a mom, that put up fences today, you ought to say, God, thanks. I remember I barked a lot. I remember I tested those fences a lot. But Lord, thanks for a mom who put fences up around me. Number two, number two, not only do do moms teach us about fences, but they teach us about forgiveness. Nobody forgives like a mom. How do I know that my God will forgive me of my sin? Because my mother forgave me of my sins. Over and over and over again. Let me give you a a definition of forgiveness. I don't know if you write things down at all. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Here's just a great little phrase if you've never seen it before. I know you've read it, but if you've never understood it before, it's just a gem on forgiveness. 1 Corinthians 13, of course, is the love chapter. Hey, by the way, praise God for our, our King James Bible. In 1 Corinthians 13, we know that there's two words for love in the New Testament. The word love and the word charity. The word charity. Well, now, in the, all the new translations today, it, you go to 1 Corinthians 13, they just put down the word love. And it's the word agape. But the King James translators did something really cool for us. Whenever the word was a noun, it's translated love. And whenever the word is a verb, it's translated charity. Now, it's the same Greek word, but when it's a noun, it's love, and when it's a verb, it's charity. Now, we've always said 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. Well, it is, but it's really the charity chapter. It's the verb. It's the action of love. 1 Corinthians 13 is all about what love does, not what love is. And that's why the word charity is used, because it's in the verb form. Now listen to this. Charity suffereth long. Look at verse 4. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Get ready now. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Everyone together, next three words. What, is, what does charity do? Oh, that was terrible. Everyone together, what does love do? Thinketh no evil. Thinketh no evil. Let me give you a translation: doesn't keep receipts. That's exact, it's, a, it's an accounting term. Thinketh no evil means it's keeping records. Do you know what love doesn't do? Love doesn't keep receipts. Now, Marilee and I are traveling for the college, so all of our expenses, our gas and everything, and our lodging, wherever we're going to be, we got to keep receipts. And as soon as we get back, I won't be back for about three weeks, Marilee and I are traveling. As soon as I get back, first thing I'm going to do in my office, my secretary's going to ask me for my... Receipts. (laughs) Receipts. <laughs> I am not real good with receipts. Okay. It's like, oh, yeah, um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that, I, that one place. Uh, where did I leave that? Uh, I'm t-. Now, that's terrible for bookkeeping. But it's great for life. Because some of you in relationships, some of you keep books on other people. Some of you keep receipts on other people. And we bring up a name. Oh, you got all their receipts. They did this to me. me They owe me this. They owe me this. They owe me this. They did this to me. Let me tell you what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a choice of your will to reconcile with an offender by erasing the debt that they owe you and living with the consequences. Let me give you that again. Forgiveness is a choice of your will To reconcile with an offender by erasing the debt that they owe you and living with the consequences. That is exactly what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. Jesus Christ made a choice of his will in that garden. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He made a choice, but if not, thy will be done, Father. He made a choice of his will to do what? To reconcile with his creation to recognize, because forgiveness is a relational term. It's not a consequence term. In other words, forgiveness is not the absence of consequences. Forgiveness is the restoration of a relationship, but not the absence of consequences. There are always consequences to sin. Somebody's got to pay for those consequences. When you forgive, and you are never more like God than when you forgive, When you forgive, you are making a choice of your will to reconcile with an offender by erasing the debt. Because there's always a debt with sin. By erasing the debt that they owe you and then living with the consequences. On earth, I know no better example than mothers. Mothers are relational. Mothers will forgive and forgive, and forgive. And we all ought to be thankful today that mothers don't keep receipts on us. Amen? We ought to be thankful today for moms that didn't keep records on us. Hey, let me tell you something. If my mom would have kept records on Jim Shetler, it would not have been good. And you know how I know my God forgives me? It's because my mom forgives me. My mom's in heaven today, but I will tell you, I did a lot of things to hurt my mom. But there was always forgiveness, no matter how many times. And I go, many times in my life, I think, God, I got to ask you, if we confess our sins, I know you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How did I know that? Because of a mother's love and a mother's forgiveness. Hey, let me tell you something. Moms put up fences. Praise God for that. If you've got a mother that put up fences, you ought to be thankful. And I know you've had a mom that forgives you and doesn't keep records. But the last thing I want you to see before we close, it's, you know what, we'll just use the, a lot of places I could have gone, but I'm going to use the 1 Corinthians 13 since we're right there. Look down to verse 7 if you would. By the way, verse 6 is a good verse in our culture today, by the way. It's one we need. What else does charity love do? Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. You know, people talk about tolerance all today. Hey, I thought you loved us. We ought to be tolerant. You know what? True love is not tolerant of sin. True love rejoices not in iniquity. If you really love somebody and they're doing something that's not good for themselves, that's not love to tolerate what they're doing. Matter of fact, true love, and aren't you glad you got parents? Aren't you glad for a mom and dad that wouldn't tolerate you doing what is wrong? That's not what I want you to see, though, but I thought that was a good one. Verse number seven. This is what I want you to see. What else does charity do? It beareth all things. Boy, if that's not our moms. But the next three words, would you all say them with me as well? Not only does charity beareth all things, but what else does it do? Everyone together. Believeth all things. Moms believe in their children. When Jacobed, if you ever think about this, how is Moses that much better looking than any other child? But it says it three times in the scriptures. It's in Exodus 2, it's in Acts chapter 7, and it's in Hebrews 11. He said he was a goodly child. He was a fair child. He was a goodly child. I don't think Moses looked any better than any look, look at how beautiful this baby is. This, but you know what I believe? I believe that Moses' parents knew this boy's going to be something for God. Now, let me tell you what moms do for us. And for every mother that's in here, we want to take a moment this today. We want to honor you. Thanks for the fences that you put up around us. Moms, I know there's been a lot of times you've heard a lot of barking from your kids. But aren't you glad you kept those fences up? Moms, thanks for forgiving us. Because I got to tell you, we wouldn't know that God forgives us if you hadn't forgiven us for all the things that we've done. Moms, thank you. But moms, I want to thank you for something else. Thanks for believing in us. You know, there's sometimes I have three sons and my three sons always haven't been good. My three sons always haven't acted right. But I will tell you, there isn't anyone on this earth that is more loyal and believes in those three boys more than that woman back there. There's been times I go like, I don't think this is going to happen, ever going to happen with my son. (coughs) I don't think. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's a woman back there that believes that God's going to use Ben, Luke, and Drew. You know, I I believe that. You know, I I do. I got a hope that God's going to use my three sons, but nothing like that mom. And moms, let me tell you something you believe in your kids. You believe what they can be in God. You put a faith in them. And I just want to tell you, when I went off to Bible college, after living very rebellious in my teen years, my mom, with arms around me in tears, sending me off to Bible college, said, Jimmy, I believe God's got great things for you. I'm thinking to myself, wow, if you only knew what I've been doing the last couple years of my life, a mom. But you know what? Mom's faith transcends. A mother's prayer, a mother's faith, transcends no matter what a child's doing. God will hear the prayers of a mom. And mothers keep believing. Keep trusting that God's going to work in your children's life and in your, in your family's life. I want to tell you, if you don't have a mom that believes in you, you don't have much in life. It is your moms that put, your, that put their faith in their kids and say, you know what? They're going to be something. Now, I think I have the spiritual gift of exhortation. And exhorters are ones that look at people and they can say, hey, man, God's going to do something. But I will tell you, My spiritual gift of exhortation does not transcend a mother's faith in her children. Moms have this incredible belief, God is going to work it out. God is going to do something great. So for every mom, and I haven't recognized you yet. I know pastor's going to probably do something in the next service. I don't want you to stand. But if you're a mother in here, would you raise your hand for a moment? (coughs) All the moms... Moms, I want to take a moment, and I want to say this to you. Thank you. Thank you for the fences that you put around your children when your children were... (coughs) Thank you. Thank you for the fences. Moms, thank you. Thanks for the forgiveness. Thanks for forgiving us when we didn't deserve it at all. But I'm telling you something. We learned how God could forgive us of our sin Because of the way mom has forgiven us. A choice of your will to reconcile with your children by erasing the debt your children owed you and having to live with the consequences of what we did. Thanks mom for forgiving us. And then moms, we take a moment and thank you for your faith. Your faith ultimately in God, but believing that your child was going to do something. I'll tell you right now. I believe that my three sons are living for God today because of the faith of my wife way more than my faith. And I believe I'm in the ministry today because of the faith of a mom. because She didn't have anything to see in me, but she believed in God. God was going to use me. I always think of that story. One of my favorite little passages in the Old Testament is when the guy Gideon is hiding in a wine press, threshing the wheat, and the angel of the Lord comes to him. And all of the Israelites are hiding from the Midianites. And here's little Gideon out there threshing the wheat. And God comes to Gideon. What does he say? Thou mighty man of valor. God looked at Gideon and said, Gideon, he didn't see, and this is what I think moms are great at, he didn't see what Gideon was right then. He saw Gideon with a trumpet, with a pitcher, and a torch, surrounded with 300 men, over 100,000 Midianites. And he said, thou mighty man of valor. I think moms see something (coughs) that nobody else sees. And moms, today, we honor you. In a culture that is destroying the family, we thank God for the godly mothers that are here at Trinity. Thank you for the fences. Thank you for the forgiveness. And thank you for your faith to believe on what we could be as your children. Thank you moms, we praise God for you and we really do treasure. Many of us today would say if it wasn't for my mom, only God knows where I would be today. So every one of us we take some moment And we thank you, and we thank you for the mothers. Now, I want to say one thing. Some of you may come from a bad family background. And some of you may be a single parent in here. And I want to share this with you. (coughs) God knows your situation. And God knows what you came back from. I would tell you this. I would give... Maybe someone in here needs to give your parents forgiveness. Maybe there's somebody in here today that would say, you know what, Jim, you've talked about mothers, but I really didn't have one. Well, I want to say this with you. That's where God steps in, and God becomes for us the father for the fatherless, and I think very much that love that we can experience from our mom. That's how we know what God is like, and that's what God can be for every one of us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father...